Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and welcome back to Brazen Education. The topic for today is why stay interviews matter. As promised in 2020, I wanted to really expand some of what I've been doing on the podcast. And one of those ways to do that is to have a conversation with another person. So today I have my very first guest, and that is my husband, Jermaine Barnes. And we're going to talk about stay interviews. Jermaine is a senior database analyst technical and team lead. He works for the state of Indiana. And a conversation I had with him, I think it was, was it about like a year ago or so? No, it was more like two or three years ago. Maybe like two or three years ago. um, He came home and he said he had a state interview and and I kind of freaked out because I'm like, like, what is going on? If you don't know what a state interview is, A state interview is when your employer or whoever supervises you, they sit you down and they talk to you about what is it that I need to do or the organization needs to do to get you to stay at our company and stay in this role. So when he came home and said he had a state interview, I'm like, man, have I been checked out? Have I been missing something? Like, I don't really understand like why this is happening. And then he kind of explained what happened. So he talked to me uh, or talked to us a little bit about how these interviews work at uh, your job. Yeah. So I want to preface preface this with um, uh, this was an initiative by my state agency um, as far as uh, keeping talent and making uh, state employment, government employment um, more attractive for um, uh, soon to be graduating uh, students at a university or college, um, you know, new workforce. So with that, they um, got the services of, of Gardner uh, which kind of helps you do analysis of what you're doing and if you're doing it well. And uh, one of the questions that came up during this analysis was, you know, do you feel that you're getting talented people and are you keeping them? So um, most of the seniors in my agency, senior officers, said that's a good question because um, at the time there was a lot of turnover um, when I was uh, um, employed at the agency and this uh, analysis was being done. And um, what they wanted to do was first determine is it, ha- is it a problem, has it been a problem, and then how do we correct that problem? So one of the first things that happened as a result of this analysis was they sent out a questionnaire to every single employee and says that asks, what do you think of our agency? You know, what do you think of your employer? Point blank. 
Um, and some of the questions that they asked, besides that, you know, initial question, you know, was on like a point system, basically from one to 10. Now, how strongly you feel about this in regards to your employer. And uh, the results of that was, um, we suck, more or less. That's that's what they discovered after they got the tally of all the results from the employees. So then when Gardner did, they they stepped in and said, okay, here's something that you can do now to help circumvent, you know, losing talent or losing your employees. And one of those was a uh, suggestion was a state interview. And as my wife, uh, you know, described to you, you know, it was, it was, um, you know, basically a set of questions or just an open forum to say you know you're here now you know you've told us what you don't like tell us what you do like and what you would like to see um that would help you stay here so um you know my my manager you know he just brought me in the room and sat me down and he says you know you're you're talented here, you know, we like what you're doing, but um, we understand that we haven't been the best employer. And, uh, you know, he just asked me flat out and like, what can I do or what would you like to see done uh, to keep you here? And then he asked, you know, what other things do you see are needed to make um state employment, um, public sector employment more attractive for this new workforce. Um, and I don't know, you know, with people's background as far as, you know, working in a public sector or a private sector, but, you know, I, I can tell you right now, just as a big difference is, you know, just the amount of pay and, uh, you know, just, uh, acknowledgement that you're good at your job a lot of people have this assumption that government employees suck at their job and i can tell you right now that is the furthest thing from the truth while there are a lot of issues with the government i can tell you that if the government was full of people who suck and don't know how to do their job, this country would be falling apart. Your state would be falling apart. You won't be able to file unemployment. You won't be able to get child support. You won't be able to have your insurance filed correctly. I mean, if that stuff, if, if public sector employees, government employees suck that much, nothing will be getting done. So I, I want to kill that narrative, so to speak. You know, that I work with very talented people here at the state of Indiana. Very talented. And we get a lot of stuff done. I'm not going to sit here and claim that it's perfect or it's done the first time or that it's done right the first time. But we get stuff done and there are some good employees. So with that, just to kind of, you know, get back on onto the topic, you know, I 
I gave my, um, you know, my recommendations, my suggestions as far as how to just make state government more attractive, how to get more of the new workforce into, you know, public sector jobs, into state government jobs, and also what to do to keep them. Um, the benefits are great. Um, you can even get some of these benefits in the private sector, but I mean, the benefits are awesome, but you know, you can do a lot of work and never get acknowledgement for it in public sector, never get it. So that was one of the first things I said is just acknowledge people. Don't just shut them down and, and, uh, you know, refute their suggestions. You know, I mean, that, that happened a lot until we started having these stay interviews and they actually started asking our opinions and stuff. And something else that came out of it is some of these managers, our managers got evaluated. That was kind of part of, it wasn't part of the stay interview, but the responses they got from the stay interview prompted to have another survey of let's rate your manager, you know. You see it so often where, you know, it's always a superior, you know, uh, rating their subordinates. But, you you know, this was the first place I've ever worked where I got to rate my superior ever. And I've been in the workforce for 16 years, you know, and I've never, ever ever got to rate my superior and have that affect their employment. So um, when that happened, you know, that really, so to speak, uh, rattled the cages of all the managers, all the senior <laughs> officers. That it did. <laughs> because they really found out were they effective at being a manager and supporting mm. their subordinates so they can be a happy, healthy employee and do the work of the state? So, um, yeah, I think I think I think you made some really good points there. Um, I was actually jotting some points down because I want to circle back to some of this stuff. And when. So when Jermaine was telling me about like the state interview and all these things he got to do with it, I started thinking like, we need this in education because just my husband, like he said, he's in the public sector. Educators are in the public sector. We're uh, interacting with the public community groups, uh, school board, parents. There's so many people we interact with and we are having some of the same problems that he mentioned. You know, he's talking about. You get talent and are you retaining the talent? Because one of the worst things that can happen at a school is to have a talented teacher and that talented teacher leaves. And so now it's like you're trying to hope to get someone that's as good and you're trying to replace that talent. And that really doesn't do your organization. Uh, it doesn't really benefit your organization if you're constantly bleeding out talented people. So when he said this to me, I'm like, not only, first of all, I just think this should be a norm in just the workplace, but I think uh, personally for myself being an educator I would like to see this in in my uh, profession these stay interviews because I think about right now so at my job we just did intent to returns and I know that probably sounds a little early we did them I believe 
they were due last Friday, and they came out at the end of January. But my um, principal is expecting, so we're doing them a little early so she can be part of these conversations. And how my particular school set up, I actually supervise teachers, so I have hiring power and I have firing power. I have the say to say whether you come back or not. And these are this is not arbitrary, it's not me up in my feelings. There's metrics that's being used for this. But I started to think like the intent to return time is really the wrong time to be asking, like, what can we do to keep you out of school? That's a little too late for that. I think this conversation needs to happen happen way in the vans and I think is really really needed because one of the things that Jermaine just said he mentioned uh losing talent uh and the other thing I found really important is he said acknowledging people because I think I know educators sometimes they just want to thank you saying like thank you for dealing with my child that's been difficult Thank you for burning the midnight oil. Thank you for staying up and trying to figure out a different way to teach that lesson. Because you know, like, my child and these other kids didn't get it. And then the other piece I really like is um, rating your manager. And I know there's quite a few educators that listen to this podcast. But I bet some of you are out there snapping your little fingers right now. Because you probably would love to give some feedback to your principals. Because, I mean, I'm known for that viral post I wrote, Teachers Quit Principals, Not Schools. So we know that there's a tie-in to turnover or burnout at jobs based on who the supervisor is. Shouldn't at some point we start questioning what the supervisor is doing? And like Jermaine said, you know, they brought in, um, what did you say, it was Gardner? Yeah. They brought in Gardner to kind of give them some recommendations. They did the stay interview. And from the stay interview, they learned, like, we can't just talk to the employees. we got to talk to their supervisors and have the subordinates nonetheless rate them. I will say at my current job, I get rated by the people I supervise, so I get surveys back. I had my first one done in uh, in first semester. What was so funny, I was just, like my parents like, I just, and my parents were like, yours is decent. Like, you don't need to beat yourself up about it, but I'm the type of person, if I see any flags anywhere, I wouldn't even say flags, because that's not even the right word. If I see anywhere where I didn't hit the highest mark I could hit, I'm thinking about, what can I do differently? But I will say, because some of the some of my team members, they actually put their names, which I appreciated. I know with those people, because I knew it was them, I was able to have a follow-up conversation with them and get more of an understanding. Because when you have a survey, you may have a character count and how much you can say, or you may be afraid to really say what you're thinking. So the people that name themselves in the survey, I was able to have a follow-up conversation, a deeper conversation, and I can ask, like, what can I do to help? How can I make this better? And then the other thing that um, my team told me that they really appreciate that I say is that I'm honest about when I can't make things better. And I'm honest about saying, like, that sucks. Like, that really sucks that we have to deal with that right now, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'll speak up about it, but I don't think that's going to change. And people say, you know, it's one thing to feel like I filled out this survey and they're like, well, maybe somebody listened to it. It's another thing for I, me to fill out the survey. And my supervisor comes to talk to me and the supervisor is honest. The supervisor is bringing integrity and saying, hey, these are the things I'm willing to do. These are the things I can do. And these are the things I can't change. And even if I can't change those things, will you stay with me? Because I am going to advocate for you. And that just uh, that really, really uh, speaks volumes. And the other thing, my husband and I, we are parents, and we have uh, twin boys. And I, so, Jermaine, 
if these day interviews became a thing in education, how do you really think this is going to affect like schools? Do you think it's going to improve schools? How do you think it's going to affect classrooms, kids? What are your what are your thoughts about that? I mean, uh, I think it's needed. I know I've never been in the uh, the realm of education other than you know just being a student myself, but I think any place that calls itself an organization providing service or a product ought to be rated. Now, I think it should be rated yearly, um, but in any event, you know, it should be rated. And um, doing that in education, I think it definitely should be rated, you know, maybe it should be rated every semester. Um, but I, I definitely think it's needed. Um, I think it will definitely, um, I guess, depending on the school board and just, uh, the school or district itself, I mean, it could probably cause some chaos because based on how you've described your career to me, it doesn't seem like a lot of feedback is giving to superiors of teachers. No, but I definitely agree about that. I mean, or, yeah, you know, I'll just say principals because that's really the only superior that I know to a teacher. I don't see principals giving feedback to superintendents or people on the school board about their performance. No, I think that's I think that's a really good one because when you think about supervisors in a school district, it's not just a principal. You got assistant principal, you got principals, you got deans, you do have the superintendent, and I do think that that uh, that feedback needs to go all the way up to the top. And then us as constituents, like we got people on the school board, you know, we want to make sure they are representing our interests. So yeah, I think there should be some feedback uh, there for them, but. I like what you're saying about the whole principal piece because, I mean, we have, let's keep it real, we got some principals terrorizing some teachers around here. And so you have teachers stressed out, they're on edge, they're trying to make sure the kids are learning the standards to make sure they're meeting um, what they need to do to, uh, to hit the mark on the standardized test. You got 50 million initiatives. Actually, today, my husband and I, we went to um, the school district where we live in, they have a, a parent council, and this is for like, it's like district-wide. And today they were talking about um, social emotional learning, and so we're at we're at this uh, meeting, and so we're trying to be involved. We're trying to give feedback, but sometimes you just don't know if if I say this feedback, is it landing anywhere? Is it making an impact? Is it making a difference? Because at the meeting today, you had a, a white lady that stood up, and I. I just was irritated to be frank. I was just really irritated by her even standing up because she said, you know, I'm just going to ask this question. You know, I've been hearing like out in the community, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys are all white women up there and, and we're talking about equity. Like, what are we doing? And I was just so irritated by the way she was asking because it was like, I'm not really asking this because I may be necessarily concerned. I'm just kind of hearing things. So I just want to throw it out here just to make sure we kind of check this box. That's kind of how it came off. 
And so I heard what she had to say, and I'm like, I'm sitting in the room, and my husband and I, on the uh, farther side of the room, we could see a couple other black parents. And I said, you know what? I might as well open my mouth and ask something. And I just... Few specs. <laughs> it's the truth. And the lady even mentioned it. It's like, when you look around the room, there's nothing but white females here, like mostly. Like, we're, we're struggling. And, and I countered back, because at the beginning of the presentation, they define equity. And then we're talking about, oh, we're going to diversify. Like, that just really pisses me off when people are using the word, we're going to diversify. And we're focused on kids of color. Like, that's a nice way of saying anything that's not white. But you're not really saying too much of anything. You're not saying to me, I'm going to close the achievement gap for these students. I'm going to address it specifically. So I said, and, all, and somebody asked a question, like, how are you measuring this? Good question. And I'm like, well, we gave some pretest data about social emotional learning, gave them pretest, and they want to do a post test. Okay, that's great. But if we're implementing social emotional curriculum, it's because we're trying to essentially help kids regulate themselves so they're not getting suspended. And so I just asked specifically, what are you doing for the black kids? The district we live in, there's 11 districts in uh, Indy where we live, and our district has the largest achievement gap between black and white students. And we're talking about social emotional learning and keeping kids in class. So there has to be some correlation between black kids being out of class and not learning. And so what metrics are you measuring? And so it just really gets irritating. It's like you're doing the right thing. You're giving the feedback. But is anything sticking, anything happening? And if I'm in a school where it's like my principal is terrorizing me and then you're saying do the social emotional learning, do this certain curriculum, go ahead and do a club. Go ahead and turn in all this data and I need a chart for this and do your lesson plans and redo this and stay after for this meeting. And you got to volunteer for X amount of sporting events like you. You're just done and you walk away from the profession. And some of these people that are walking away from teaching, they were good teachers. Like uh, my husband, and I was a teacher right now that left our son's school like who was teaching fourth grade. And that's the grade my sons are going to, our sons are going to next year. And I wish that teacher was still at the school, but the teacher just kind of was like, you know, this isn't working for me. But I think what my husband is saying, if you're giving that feedback to the principal and overwhelmingly the whole staff is like, this person is giving initiatives, but they're not showing me how to implement it. This person is giving feedback, but they're not providing the support for me to improve. This person is telling me my classroom management sucks, but they won't give me coaching and training how to make it better. That needs to be known because then that principal needs some development. That principal needs coaching because then either A, you're going to find out this person should have never been the principal to begin with. And that's a conversation we're not having in education. We're quick to fire teachers. We're quick to coach teachers out. What about some of these principals we need to coach out? And it's kind of like what my husband was saying, like when they did the state interviews and then it's, he said it like rattled some cages. Be- and some managers lost their job. Yeah. They got moved around somewhere else because one big theme in our in our agency is we need to have the right people in the right seats. Hmm. That's a big theme that we have there because you can tell right away. Some places do not have the right person in the right seat. It's pretty evident. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's there, there's so many issues I talk about in school. If you've been listening to my podcast, 
listening, reading my blogs, my vlogs or blogs or articles, you know I've talked about the many issues. But I think one of the issues that we don't talk about enough is that we don't have the right people in the right seat. And some of those people are in leadership. And if you have the wrong leader, where the heck the ship going to go? The ship, the school is going to go in the wrong direction because you have the wrong person. You have people that are just uh, writing people up left and right with uh, no just cause. Or they are living in her office. I wrote an article um, that was called The Case of the Missing Principal. And it's about the principal that kind of, you don't ever know where this principal is. They're never in your classroom. They, they're they never really in the halls. You know, you go to your office. I guess they're off campus again as some type of training. But this person is supposed to be leading the school and you don't even know where they are. And I think there's a lot of sectors where people have bosses. And I want to hear you can take it two ways. I worked at a school. I actually based this on a school I actually worked in where I literally didn't know where the principal was most of the time. And... At the end of the day, I got a good evaluation. Everything was great. My kids were learning. But I'll tell you for a fact that the person I taught next door to, the kids weren't learning. And the principal wasn't around. So you had a person like me that was getting results. And I wasn't being checked upon. You had someone next door that wasn't getting results. And then I had, there was other teachers on that floor. Because I'm I'm just going to talk about this one floor I was on. That ended up quitting. And they were good teachers. But part of, because, you know, when people quit, they just typically just don't exit. And some people just roll off and you don't know what the hell happened. But some people, they at least tell somebody what they were disgruntled about. And some of the people mentioned is like, I don't want to be at this school around these low quality educators. What they were saying was, I don't want to be around the school where I'm teaching next door to someone where the kids are just watching movies all day. Where the kids are just doing packet and you sitting behind your desk. Uh, eating food or you're not even on campus when class starts you coming back across from wherever you were at like that's a problem and if you're going to be part of an organization nobody wants to be part of an organization where they feel like there's no prestige because you can do whatever you, you want or you're not getting acknowledged so it's like hey because that was that's the other piece uh Jermaine spoke about acknowledgement I was doing the right thing I was moving data did anybody say, Shantae, that's great. Shantae, thanks for busting your butt. Thanks for sitting there and recording that audio for that kid who can't read the book so he can at least know what the heck is going on. Because I had to do that on my off my work time because I tried to record at school, but in other classroom, people were popping off. And when I listened back to recording, I could hear kids yelling in the background from another class. So I couldn't even record <laughs> at work. Did I get any acknowledgement? No. I got knowledge, I'll tell you that, I got knowledge one time, it was publicly in front of the staff, and that was at the beginning of the year, you know, and that, you know, when the school year starts, you have all these great initiatives, I think that was any organization, whenever that cycle starts, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it with fidelity, and so one of the things was like, we're going to acknowledge people, well, don't say you're going to acknowledge folks, and you do it for August, okay, okay, you do a few people in September, by the time fall break rolls around, you know, forgot about the whole whole initiative, like, that's the type of stuff or the type of reason why people leave and the attend to return time when you're saying as a teacher I intend to return next school year I'm not sure or I'm not returning that's really not the time to have the conversation about what can I do you either should know what that is before we get to that point in time or that conversation should have happened before that point in time uh, because intent to return should just be 
It shouldn't really have to even be a meeting about it. It should just be really black and white, yes or no. The only way I can really see maybe is like I know some teachers who who didn't know because their spouse may be taking a job outside of the state. So that's a true maybe. But the rest of these folks, and I'm actually going to write about attempt to return. I have a whole article that I'm actually uh, outlined and I'm going to write about. But a lot of people, they're not confused. They just don't want to tell you. So they just say maybe. And I'm going to talk about in my article about why we shouldn't be confused. We should just state what it is because it really helps all parties involved when we are more honest um, with ourselves. So we've talked a lot about stay interviews. I think they're super important because some of the little things matter. I know teachers I know that have left. Some of them just wanted a little leadership. They didn't even want anything big. They didn't want to become an assistant principal. They just wanted, hey, let me be a department chair. Hey, let me do two PDs a year. Let me present. Let me be a team leader. And that was a simple fix. I know one school, I had put my name in the hat to do some different opportunities. They did give me one leadership role, but it was unpaid. Uh, and that was the other thing. I ended up getting a leadership role that was unpaid. It wasn't no stipend. All the other people got stipends. But I didn't even say anything. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going just go and do it. And then when I finally actually was going to leave the school, I had... uh turned in my resignation, did all the things. They were like, oh, Shante, um, we'll, we'll let you do this and we'll make you a team leader. Now, granted, by this point in my career, I had been team leader a few times, so it wasn't like a big whoop to get this now at this particular school, but it's like, I shouldn't be out the door for you to try to dangle a carrot. Because if it's me and Jermaine will tell you, I'm, when I'm about to roll off, I'm about to roll off. There ain't, There's no, you can have all the conversation you want or, and, and this happened to my husband, and he can speak to this a little bit. Don't send a black person to come talk to me to try to get me to stay at the job. And like that, <laughs> tell, tell, tell a little bit about kind of how that happened. This happened earlier in my husband's career where he got to a point where he's like, you know what? I just need a change. And they go do, oh, they go do the, go get the other, <laughs> go get the other black. And I got to say, go get the other black person because we both been, I guess I I don't know if there is a I can't really name a field where we could say that minorities are the majority. I don't know. But in both of our fields, like we're always looking for more people that are black, more people of color. Um so so yes, talk about how you were pretty much out the door and how they try to get you to stay. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh this is at a place of employment when I was fresh out of college. Um pretty much my first job using my actual degree. Um, this job was pretty stressful. Um, Shante can uh, attest to that. We had just got married, but I had, I was barely seeing my wife. I mean, I was just I was just working, just working and working and working, you know, trying to uh, improve my craft, make a name for myself, and um, you know, I, it just came to a point where. You know, I'm busting my tail and I don't see any fruits from it. So at that point in time, I just say, you know what, I'm just going to test the waters and see if, uh, you know, if I actually have improved myself enough to to uh, work somewhere else, um, get paid better and, you know, more or less get a promotion. So, um uh, that did happen. Um, I did get a job offer and I accepted it. 
And I came to my manager's office. I gave him my two-week notice. And he just looked at me and said, oh, well, I'll just be frank. This is adult show, adult podcast. <laughs> he, I mean, he literally said, oh, shit. We waited too long to promote you and give you a raise. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, you're damn right. This is not the time <laughs> to be saying that, nor right. to admit it to me blatantly right. once you realize it. Mm-hmm. So after that, um, <laughs> you know, he started going through a series of of um, pleas to to sure get me to did. stay. So he he offered me several times, um, you know, increased pay, um, promotion, you know, and it was. And to be quite honest, the the promotion and pay was much more than the new job offer I accepted. Mm-hmm. But I still said no mm-hmm. because the well was dry. Mm. You know, I just, I didn't feel vindicated enough to accept it because I didn't think anything was going to change. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... Yeah, I get paid. I get paid more, you know, based off of me working hard. But that should have already happened. So, like I said, he he at uh, he offered me um, one last time a pay increase, and I still said no. So then their last resort <laughs> was to use a fellow colleague who was African American, was a female. And she just flat out came out to me and came up to me and says, um, let's go on a little lunch, you know, uh, uh, outing. I just want to talk to you. And during this outing, she said they came up to me and they straight up asked me, is there anything that she could do to get me to stay? Because they were at their wits end. So they felt... If they got this black woman to come and talk to me, who was more senior than I was, and to kind of offer whatever that I would stay. And the answer was no. And when I told her that, she said, that's fine. I completely understand where you're coming from because I was in your same situation. You know, she she pretty much had a... I don't want to say the exact same career path, but I mean, it was similar. She was fresh out of school. She got a job at a big company. She worked her tail off and she didn't get any acknowledgement for it. And when it was time to move, she just moved. And she didn't have any regrets leaving because they just worked her to death. And she was just like, I'm, I'm done. And you know, I respected that out of her. I mean, she did what she was asked to do. I do feel that she felt sad that I was leaving because she thought I was talented as well. But she understood my response. And she says, you know, you have to do what you have to do. And I can, I completely understand. And, yeah, they were way too late offering that to you. So. Well, yeah, and that's what annoys me the most. Don't wait till I get out the door 
to be and i think the thing that really made me upset because we were i mean like he was saying we were newly married and like and I, and on my end i wasn't innocent i was at my i was working at a charter school at the time that just got founded so i'm at school some days from 7 a.m to 7 p.m but he wasn't home either so it this wasn't gonna work for our relationship with him being at work working like a dog me being at my school working like a dog that wasn't going to work but the thing that irritated me the most is because we talked about okay maybe you should ask because you're because what was happening he had a junior title but he was doing senior level work but they said they couldn't give him a pay raise until they changed his title but they they said they couldn't change his title because they wasn't ready to give him a pay raise so it was like this whole catch 22 he was caught in and so he asked he kept asking about it and then at one at at the point he was just like i'm not gonna keep asking them about it if i'm a junior level person and i'm doing senior level work i should go out here and try to put myself out here to see if somebody else would hire me and they did and that's the other thing everything isn't always about money Sometimes you just want peace of mind and you want like for me and he'll tell you this job also was like a good 45 minutes from our house, which I did not like because the nature of his job. Sometimes if something happened with that database, he had to be working there and trying to fix it. And so now I'm like, when are you coming home? But the last because uh, he's only had uh, three jobs in his career that the first job we're talking about right now and uh, then the um his current job is the one that has to stay in there was a job in between there. But the last two jobs have been closer to the house. So when he said, oh, I'm about to come home, I'm like, I know he's going to be here pretty soon. That other job, especially because he was literally coming across Indianapolis, it's like if it's an accident on the interstate, something happened, it could, 45 minutes could turn into an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It was, a, and this, and then, you know, with us having kids, like, it's harder when there's two working adults because everybody wants to take a break. <laughs> so I'm just like, when is this man going to get home? Because <laughs> I want a break. So it's kind of like some of those things you just, you, uh, you think about. But I mean, I've been in the same situation. I remember when I had said I got this other job, I'm not going to leave. They had somebody text me to ask what could they do. But what I found, and, I, and it was so interesting. First of all, this person didn't even have my cell phone number. So they had to go get it for someone else. I had never even talked to this person on my cell phone. I ever texted this person on my cell phone. And I'm like, and my knee-jerk response, I'm much better at communicating with colleagues now. I was like, why are you even texting me? That was my text back to this person. And and they said, well, you know, uh, it got out that you were leaving. And, And side note. When I went to go finally interview and said this job, the only body I told I had interviewed and said this job was my principal. But it got out across the whole entire building. And I actually confronted my principal about this because I said, don't say anything. And she goes, well, you know, things get out. And I and I, I got real quiet because I'm like, this is my superior. For the most part, I hadn't had any issues with her. And I'm like, I just need to say this without popping off. And I looked her in her face and I said, the only person I told in this building was you. No one else knew I interviewed. No one else knew I accepted this job. So if anybody knows about it, it's because you said something. And I asked you not to say anything. And her face starts to flush. And she did apologize. She actually apologized to me, which I appreciated her coughing up. Because I knew I didn't tell. Like, it's easy to know where a rumor starts when you only tell one person. The only anybody that knew I accepted that job was her, my husband, and my parents. 
And my parents and my husband don't got no association with anybody in my job. So this gets out. And so now this person, like, yeah, I heard well, what I found out. This person was actually, when they were texting me, they were actually at school with administration. And they asked this person to text me. I'm just like, this is like so impersonal at this point. I already accepted the job. I don't care what y'all trying to offer because they were trying to offer me more roles because that would, these roles would come with a stipend. I'm like, no, Barnes is out. <laughs> like, it's too little, too late. And just to kind of wrap this up, this is why we're saying state interviews are important. My husband and I have both explained how we both have been in situations where we left. And it could have been something you could have done if they would have allowed Jermaine to have more work-life balance and gave him the title and the pay he deserved, maybe he would have still been at that first job. If I was giving some of the things I was being, uh, I wanted to do, I would have stayed at that job. But I mean, this is not to brag on ourselves, but I feel like we talented individuals. This black excellence right here. Like, you should be sad if one of us leaves. It's the truth. That's how I feel. And I know I'm super biased, but that's just not me saying it. I, I've talked to some of my husband's bosses and they've all have given him. There's not a boss of his I've talked to that hasn't said anything that's, that hasn't been, it's all been good. It's been really glowing reviews. Like I, I, I you know, I want him to stay. He's, he's good. And there's a lot of people, um, that speak on me. It's just some of the awards I even been nominated for or awards I receive. I'm just, I'm always genuinely surprised because yes, I feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing, but I don't, I don't expect to get knowledge. And, and for me, this is a work of heart. Like I'm in this for the kids, um, because I really want, especially black kids, I want them to have a better outcome, but these black kids or any kids can have a better outcome if the teachers are just, uh, it's a, re- a revolving door or if your job is a revolving door. So if, if I, if you take anything out of this, maybe kind of bre- broach this conversation at your job. Saying, hey, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe we should have a state interview. Maybe this will improve our employee uh, morale. Maybe it'll uh, improve our turnover. Because I think the most important thing is the conversation of, like, you may not even know something's an issue at your job. If you don't even ask the employee. They, I mean, it may be something so so simple. Like, because we do quite a few surveys in my current school. And some of us just like, I want more camaraderie. So like uh, one uh, week we did a whole potato bar. I personally could care less about those things. But some people that made them feel really good and felt really invested in the organization. You did this for me. We have a lot of people at my school who have a lot of different dietary needs. So we made sure we had gluten free stuff. We made sure we had vegan stuff. Just knowing that, hey, my employer made sure there was stuff that I could eat and it wasn't just a banana. Like they made sure they went and got a vegan cupcake. They made sh- they went and got some gluten free rolls or whatever what I can't remember to be bought. We were intentional. We know stuff about you. We're trying to make you feel because there's nothing worse than having someone not know something about you that's like that type of importance. And then you show up to an event that's to celebrate everybody. And it's like oh, and I can't even eat. <laughs> you know, it's those little things that matter. And I think stay interviews are a perfect opportunity to learn more about your employees. Learn more about what you can do better. And it's also a time for the employee to articulate things that maybe they've been harvesting inside. Because maybe let's say they can't fix it. Maybe just putting it out there 
um, or let them think about, okay, I can't fix it next year. What can I do over the next few years? You know, if you if you just stay with us this next year, let's see if we can figure it out. And since you brought this idea up, let me have you because like my husband said, like having a voice matters. And a lot of times, the further you go up the organization, the more removed you are from the work. And you need those people that's down here, for lack of a better word, doing the grunt work just in the day to day to say, hey, this initiative that you shoving down, it's not working down here. Like, we don't have the resources. We don't have the time. Nobody even understands what we're actually be doing with this initiative. That's the type of feedback you'll get for a stay interview. So um, hopefully you enjoyed my very first guest. Um, <laughs> I think he provided some great information, but clearly yeah, you probably say I'm a little biased. Um, but thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.